Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Pediatric Research Updates Podcast. Clusclera in an infant with severe iron deficiency anemia, a case report. A 12-month-old Japanese boy presented with cyanotic breath-holding spells. He began crying excessively, then held his breath until he became cyanotic. He had achieved the normal physical and neurological milestones for his age and had no history of bone fractures. There were no signs of history of external or gastrointestinal bleeding. On presentation, he was alert and playing. His heart rate, respiratory rate, and body temperature was 154 beats per minute, 32 per minute, and 36.8 Celsius respectively. Physical examination revealed paler and a bluish tinge to the sclera. Suspecting underlying iron deficiency anemia, they performed a blood test, which revealed microcytic anemia with hemoglobin 6 gram per deciliter, MCV 44 femtiliter, serum iron 18 microgram per deciliter, and serum ferritin 5.3 nanogram per milliliter. Administration of an iron supplement 3 mg per kg per day increased his hemoglobin to nanogram per deciliter at the one-month follow-up, confirming the diagnosis of iron deficiency anemia. The color of his sclera improved along with improvement in his anemia. SARS-CoV-2 vaccination in children with a history of multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children, an international survey. An cross-sectional electronic international survey, including 32 countries, found substantial variations in vaccine policies. Respondent did not report relapses of MIS-C or other severe inflammatory side effects after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination in 273 patients with a history of MIS-C. The survey was comprised of 24 questions covering vaccination policies used for children with previous MIS-C, number of children with a history of MIS-C who were or who were or were not yet vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2, an identification of uncommon adverse events after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination in, the, in this children. Their data suggests that vaccine recommendations or their understanding or both in the context of MIS-C not only differ between continents and healthcare system, but also within countries. Potential harms and benefits of SARS-CoV-2 vaccination in children with a history of MIS-C may be weighted differently in each setting. Growth during the coronavirus disease 2019 Omicron variant surge. The researchers conducted a retrospective review of, mod- of medical records in the ED at Seattle Children's Hospital of group patients seen during the COVID-19 pandemic. The results showed that a total of 401 patients were diagnosed with croup during the Delta surge, and 107 patients were diagnosed with croup during the Omicron surge. Patients with croup who presented during the Omicron surge were more likely to test positive for COVID-19. Children with a clinical diagnosis of croup during the Omicron surge were more likely to be administered racemic epinephrine as part of their care. There were no differences in presenting age, rate of admission, rate of return to the ED within 72 hours, 
or admission among those who returned within 70 Raising the cutoff level of anti-tissue transglutaminase antibodies to detect celiac disease reduces the number of small bowel biopsies in children with type 1 diabetes, a retrospective study. The study was aimed to study the optimal cutoff value for anti-tissue transglutaminase type 2 IgA antibodies in serum to select for diagnostic small bowel biopsies for celiac disease in children with type 1 diabetes mellitus. Children with type 1 di diabetes with elevated anti-tissue transglutaminase type 2 IgA antibodies titers and duodenal biopsies performed during the course of their diabetes tr treatment were included. They included 63 children. As a result, the optimal cutoff value for performing biopsies is demonstrated to be 11 times upper, upper limit normal. Raising the cutoff value from 3 times upper limit normal to 11 times the upper limit normal change sensitivity from 96% to 87% and increase specificity from 36% to 73%. Increase the positive predictive value from 88% to 94% and lowered negative predictive value from 67% to 53%. The percentage of normal histology was decreased from 12% to 6%. In conclusion, increasing the anti-tissue transglutaminase type 2 IgA antibodies cutoff cut value for performing duodenal biopsies in children with type 1 diabetes mellitus and suspected celiac disease leads to substantial reduction of unnecessary biopsies. Ramitinib for refractory chylus effusion and systemic complications in children with Noonan syndrome. The aim of study was to evaluate the effect of RAS-MAPK pathway inhibitor Tramitinib on medically refractory chylus effusions in, in treat hospitalized patients with Noonan syndrome. In the result, subjects demonstrated improvement in lymphatic leak with additional findings of improved growth and normalization of cardiac and hematological measurements. Tramitinib was administered safely with only moderate skin irritation in one of the subjects. In conclusion, improvements in a variety of quantifiable measurements highlight the potential utility of MEK1 and 2 inhibition in patients with Noonan syndrome and life-threatening lymphatic disease. Larger prospective studies are necessary to confirm efficacy and assess long-term safety. Advanced retinoblastoma presenting with cataract in a, in a child with limited access to primary care. A case report. A 22-month-old girl presented to the emergency department with a two-week history of gradually worsening left periorbital edema. She was burned full-term in the United States with normal retroflex testing prior to hospital discharge. However, in the setting of multiple socioeconomic stressors, she missed several primary care visits and had been seen by several different providers. Ocular examination on presentation revealed a prior retroflex 
in the right eye and a dull gray reflex in the left eye. Her visual acuity was no better than light perception in the left eye and intraocular pressure was elevated. In addition to biliorbital edema and oedema, the examination of the left eye was notable for a fixed dilated pupil with a cataractous lens prolapsing forward and narrowing the anterior chamber of the eye. Although cataract alone makes the plane an abnormal red reflex, the differential for a collapsed anterior cham chamber with elevated intraocular pressure included pathology in the posterior segment of the eye. Given no view of the retina or optic nerve, a bedside ultrasound was performed, which demonstrated a calcified intraocular mass. The ultrasound finding promoted further workup, including magnetic resonance imaging of the brain and orbitus. Asymmetry in the lens signal intensity was associated with a large posterior segment mass consistent with group E retinoblastoma. Despite treatment with inoculation and chemotherapy, she passed away eight months later from leptomeningeal disease recurrence. The family impact of atopectic dermatitis in the pediatric population results from an international cross-sectional study. A cross-sectional study was conducted in 18 countries. It aimed to evaluate the impact of atopic dermatitis on families of pediatric subjects. The result of the study illustrated that a higher atopic dermatitis severity had a greater impact on all family life domains, including sleep and tiredness. No specific patterns or trends were observed across age groups. Time spent on ch child care and missed work days increased with atopic dermatitis severity, concluding that across pediatric age groups and geographic regions, higher atopic dermatitis severity was associated with a greater negative impact on physical, emotional, social, and economic components of family life. Perinatal inflammatory biomarkers and respiratory disease in preterm infants. The study aimed to measure plasma levels of vascular endothelial growth factor and several cytokines, interleukin 6, 8, and 10, during the first week of life to examine the relationship between protein expression and likelihood of developing respiratory distress syndrome and bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Results showed that the development of RDS in preterm newborns was associated with lower level of vascular endothelial growth factor during the first week of life. Higher plasma, of, higher plas higher plasma levels of interleukin 6 and, and 8 plasma were associated with an increased likelihood and increased severity of bronchopulmonary dysplasia at 36 weeks postmenstrual age. In conclusion, during the first week of life, lower plasma levels of vascular endothelial growth factor was associated with the diagnosis of RDS in preterm infants. Preterm infants with higher level of interleukin-6 and interleukin-8 during the first week of life were also more likely to be diagnosed with bronchopulmonary dysplasia. These biomarkers may help to predict respiratory morbidities in preterm newborns during their initial hospital. High impact of pediatric inflammatory bowel disease on caregivers 
work productivity and daily activities, and international perspective study. To evaluate the longitudinal evolution of work productivity loss and activity impairment in caregivers of children with IBD. This research result showed that the mean caregiver's employment rate was 78.4%. The adjusted mean work productivity loss was 44.6% and the adjusted mean activity impairment was 34.3%. Work productivity loss and activity impairment significantly decreased over time and were associated with disease activity, but not with IBD type or child's age. In conclusion, caregivers of children with IBD experience significant impairment in work and daily activities, especially at diagnosis. The impact decreases thereafter and is associated with disease activity. Association between adverse childhood experiences at age 5 years and healthcare utilization at age 9 years. The study aimed to determine the associations between adverse childhood experiences at age 5 years and healthcare utilization patterns at age 9 years. Children with more or equal for adverse childhood experiences had lower odds of a dental visit and a higher odds of primary care sick visits and an ER visits compared with children with no reported adverse childhood experiences. Concluding that their findings demonstrate suboptimal healthcare utilization patterns among families with adverse childhood experiences and indicate a need for targeted interventions that support appropriate healthcare utilization for children who endure, ad uh, who endure adversity. This concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening.